Welcome to Rain City Supercars. That was an angry push. I'm not going to lie. We had someone else push the button. And yeah, angry. That, so yeah. If, that, if, that, if this episode started angry, it's not us. Dan and I are happy, but someone else is angry. <laughs> angry little elf. Oh, I'm Nick, by the way. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's about, that's about my feelings right now. Yeah. Yes. Well, in spite of that, we're still brought to you by our usuals. Avant, Haggerty, Carter Subaru, Rainier Beer, and we still are not at Drivers Club yet. But we're getting there. We're going to get there. Yeah. Someday. Phase 1.5, I think it is, technically. Is that what it is there? Is I that where we're at? I don't know. Phase, nobody really knows. Neither That's does the government. Shocking. Like, that opened today. So I got a haircut. It, it looks fabulous. Thank you. Yeah. I feel fabulous. My grandfather I said feel you, pretty. Cut, you cut your ears lowered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How was your weekend? You know, it was good. Uh, did some work. Did some cleaning around the house. We got to go see a we got a, a good friend of ours, Peter Gleason, for a little uh, fun. Got to see. Yeah, to you guys will hear more about that soon. But that yeah. was a really always a good time with Peter. He's such a good guy it's to talk to. Live entertainment. You just don't really know where the conversation is going to go, but it's always entertaining. So yeah, yeah. So you had uh, you had a good weekend. Was it nice around here or just storms? <laughs> Depended on the hour. Depended on the hour. Okay. Yeah. So it like thunderstormed like crazy. And then I went for a ride. Then it thunderstormed like crazy. Then I went for another ride. Nice. So. You, you got another board, too, right? Yeah, new nice. board showed up today. Got the uh, Evolve GTR in bamboo. So, Nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to ride it, but uh, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> so, looks like it'll be fun. You've been putting some miles on your other one? Yeah, nice. I've been doing, when it's nice, I've been doing about 20 miles a day. Oh, so, wow. So, yeah, yeah, back and forth to Issaquah. You know, if that was exercise, that would sound right? really impressive. It would be like, impressive. <laughs> it was I've been running 20 miles. God, I was noticing that, Clevin from Metropolitan Detail. Do you see he's posting his bike rides on Facebook? Yeah. And he did like a 55-mile bike ride. Like, I looked at the route he took, and it made me tired thinking about driving that route. It made my butt sore thinking about that I know. That well, I mean, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, yeah. He, he, does, he rides without a seat. He's really tough <laughs> like that. So, uh, you know, that's, that's how he, he, learned, he learned that while, while detailing cars. But, Still uh, the post, but no seat. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's just, he's, he's a real man. So I got I got kind of a funny story for you. So I've got a really good friend of mine who I, I kind of grew up with. She's kind of like my little sister, uh, Jamie Lynn, and she got married uh, to um, a good buddy of mine, or not good. So he's a friend of mine now, Travis yeah. um, Belkin. I think is the yeah. Last we name. met him. Yeah, you met him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so she calls me last week and she's like, "Hey, I'm got to come over to Seattle to pick up a Subaru," and I'm like. What? I'm like, okay. I was like, boy, those those, those Carter Subaru ads are really working. <laughs> she's, she's like, well, yes and no. She's like, so funny story. She's like, um, uh, Jared's brother, Travis, is the new sales manager at Carter Subaru Shoreline. I'm like, oh, cool. So she came over and picked up a brand new accent, a beautiful white accent, uh, the big Subaru. And, uh, ascent. Up, ascent. Sorry. I was about to say That's accent. a Hyundai. I, I apologize. Like, yeah, yeah, Ascent. So it was really cool. Kind of a cool, small world thing so uh-huh. and it was funny because uh, she was up there kind of talking to him and i think he's the same gentleman that helped me when when carter gladly loaned me that outback that time he's the one that i was up there talking to and i never made the connection because i didn't quite know jamie's new last name <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it's kind of a fun fun story but uh yeah so that's kind of neat it's such a small car world it really is. It really is. So I was, but I was jealous. Like this, I liked her car. I don't need a car that big, but it was a nice car. Like, I yeah. was like oh, I need I, this would be fun. Yeah, I could I could haul a lot of fun toys, couches, things like that. You know. <laughs> so, you know, if you need to buy a couch or whatever. But, yeah. You know, so so yeah. we went for a little drive. I had a I had a loaner while my car was in the shop. I yes. had my car back now officially, yes. and uh, I had this. Uh, it was a base Macan. It was pretty loaded for a base Macan, but it yeah. was a Macan. 
and uh, just the standard Macan. So turbo inline four. Uh, surprisingly, I didn't know it was inline four. I don't know when they made that change, um, but it actually had plenty of power. It drove just fine. <laughs> Neither one of us did till we looked at the build sheet. Yeah, we had to, we had to pull the build sheet out of the glove box. <laughs> Luckily, it was in there. So, yeah. but while my Porsche was in the shop, I had this Macan, which is a nice little ride. I don't think I would get. If it was a turbo, it'd be that's a different story. But I don't think I would ever find a reason to buy a Macan or a Macan S over an SQ5. Like they have a nicer dash in the Audi, they have a nicer interior across the board. The, the controls are kind of funky in the Macan. I wasn't a fan actually. It Dro- drove nice. It's comfortable. And my dad has wanted one of those for a long time. You know, they've got their Land Rover, which they love. But I was telling them because I was trying to kind of relate to the things they want. Like it was a very easy entry and easy exit. Mm-hmm. Like and it was very comfortable when you're in it. I was a little. If you've been in a modern Porsche, anything, the, the 911, things like that, the dashes and, and, the, and the screens and everything can be a little overwhelming. There's, you know, we, yeah. we were looking at the, the, how, how you open the sunroof on this thing, and there was like nine <laughs> buttons up there. Yeah. They all had a purpose, but it was like, I'm going, okay, this is to open the roof. This is to open a garage door. This is to open yeah, the, rear, cupboard, the cupboards in the basement. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you've got rear lights, forward lights, sun, sunshade, to- sunroof. Garage door opener buttons, and then there's like an SOS button. They're, they're, he's not kidding. There's like nine or ten buttons on the overhead console. It's ridiculous. Like if you were blind, if you were just like trying to do that by feel, you'd need to pull over just to open the sunroof if you had done it before. I think if somebody had to drive it, like you know, what, what's the guy? What's his name from Reading Rainbow? Who was on Star Trek? I think Levon. Levar, Levar, Levar Burton. Yeah, he yeah. would have been able to fly the Porsche. That's <laughs> but other than that, yeah. so it's, especially with the visor. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, did, you, did you you drove it a little bit farther? We just drove it up the freeway, but yeah, no, that was it was a good little drive. It was a good loner. It was fun. Um, I will say, I'm, I've always been impressed with how well Macans drive, though, for an SUV. When you get especially the turbo, because I've driven the turbo and I've driven the GTS. I've actually driven a lot of Macans over the over the years. Now I think about it, they you do get around. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I do, yeah. and they drive really well they as they're as close to an suv sports car as i can picture they they which is weird to say but they really handle really well you don't expect that in an suv of any kind especially when you're up that high but they actually handle really well and you are pretty well planted in them the seats are comfortable like it's definitely like the sportiest of suvs i've driven the cayenne feels bigger so it's uh you've kind of got that heft to it the macan actually still feels light hmm. i mean it still feels to me like a lifted um it feels like a lifted s3 Interesting. Which okay. is which is nice. It's not a bad thing. That's actually a really good thing to say about an SUV is that it's very nimble. It's easy to drive. It, it's small, um, but not too small. So I mean, if you if you want a sporty around town SUV, I it's the, especially the turbo is the way to go. But if I wasn't in the market for the turbo or that was too much money because I optioned out a turbo just to see how much it would be in the way I would want it. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred and twelve thousand. <laughs> yeah. So if you're into that money, I think you can get probably eighty five percent of the vehicle out of an SQ five. And if you want, you could do an uh, RSQ3, which would be even more so. I really want to, and I'm saying this. If anybody if anybody that listens to this show has one, I'd really like to see it. And I know they're rare. And, in fact, I think they're m- more rare than the Urus. I want to drive or see an Audi RSQ8. Q- okay. Yeah, me that, too. That is apparently, and, and like you were saying, they're going to make less of those than they are the Urus. Yeah. Supposedly they're rarer and less of them than the Urus, and I, yeah, I that's top of my list of SUVs. I, I want to see drive. how it drives compared to the Urus after yeah. driving the Urus, because I mean, it body panel wise and everything inside, it's pretty much going to be the same, right? Does it have the huge ceramic brakes too? Yes, it has okay. the huge brakes. All that, uh, uh, you know, our friend Brandon had one. He prepped one okay. at Audi working there, you know, and he sent me a photo of it like as being prepped, and it's it's gorgeous. A yeah. lot of carbon everywhere. I think it looks better than the Urus, honestly, by a, it's by a cheaper large than margin, the Urus, right? Even though, yeah, yeah, it is, but it's. I think it's dramatically better looking. Okay, and it looks, yeah, and if 
if it's anything, I, I'm comparing it like R8 to Huracan, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be the cheapest Urus you can buy. Yeah. <laughs> and well, it'll be more comfortable. You, yeah, and all the performance. So yeah. uh, I'm impressed, though. Like I said, I I was fun to have the Macan, though, for like an extended test drive, I should say. Sure. Uh, so I was, but I was like, yeah, the turbo all the way. I, if I could get my hands on a turbo, we have a friend, we have some mutual friends that have a Taycan, a GT3, and a Macan turbo all in their stable. And I'm like, that is as good as it gets if you have that in your stable. You have all yep. your bases covered. And the question answers itself. No, they don't have any children. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, cars, cars are kids. Yeah. Those are your options. So, More yeah. rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, kidding. you and I were talking about that. <laughs> kidding. Kidding. Uh, yeah. Kidding. Yeah. I, you and I were talking about the Macan. You were like, oh, yeah, I'd love to have the, the, the carbon buckets. And I'm thinking, no, nope, no, not if you ever had children in the back, you wouldn't. Yeah, actually, I was looking at that. I'm thinking, you can't even get them as an option now. Oh, okay. That was, That's probably smart. I was hoping for that. But now, then now you just get the adaptive sport seats, which are basically the Turbo S seats. I turbo, will say turbo this. Seats, yeah. Having uh, carbon bucket seats in an SUV makes more sense to me than having carbon bucket seats in a car like yours. Because in a car like a Macan, somebody's actually going to see the back of the seat. <laughs> that's like true. Visual, like I, I know besides the weight savings and, and being madly uncomfortable um <laughs> well, the question begs itself yeah how much weight savings do you really need yeah. if you're buying an yeah. suv is that really the top of your you list can, you can have fatter friends sit in the back it's just it's fine <laughs> so you know it's true yeah yeah so nice. oh, speaking of though so i got the car back today mm-hmm. uh recording this on monday of course and uh so they ended up replacing it was some kind of sensor went it was a bad pressure sensor as a so it went into lit mode because it couldn't basically it couldn't sense boost and so it was like hey I don't want to blow your motor so I'm going to turn off yeah that's turn probably off, smart it's yeah. Gonna, yeah, yeah so that, that's a good way to go into lit mode the car's totally fine it was a super easy fix they should have wait to get the part everything's delayed because of COVID still but faster than my brake rotor thank God um, <laughs> but anyway so this part and we 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 joked about it on the last show but I have to give you guys the update because this stuff makes me laugh hysterically because we we got the update last time if you bought a Porsche single. PCCB at at dealer list, you'd be paying ten thousand dollars per rotor, mm-hmm. which is insane. That's more than Ferrari charges, by the way. I did find that out um, for a brake rotor on almost every car they make. It's a lot more. Ferrari gets you other ways, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. for a car that offer, you know, what do they offer? Like thousand dollar shift knobs, but yeah. your car, your brake rotors are cheaper. I think the, the carbon side shields are up there too. Yeah, price wise for the Ferrari. Sorry. Yeah, so for the Ferrari. So yeah. uh, this pressure sensor. Um, it was actually, I take that back, not this pressure, the mass airflow sensor is what we originally thought it was. And so yeah. I looked one up. It's like, well, if I have to replace a mass airflow sensor, if you've ever seen what it, it takes to replace one of those on just about every car, it's usually like two screws and a clip and you're done. Like it's <laughs> in, not in a turbo. In the on turbo, unusual it's like, cars. Yeah, unusual yeah. cars. In a turbo or a Porsche, it's remove the rear bumper, remove the rear spoiler just to get to it. But other mm-hmm. than that, it's a super easy job. Um, <laughs> yeah, other than that. Which actually is not that hard. But okay. anyway, I digress. I'm going in the wrong direction here. Yeah. Point being... When we thought it was the mass airflow sensor, that part from Porsche at um, online, so not even I don't even know what actual full dealer list on it, but getting it like a wholesale cost was four hundred dollars for the sense for the mass airflow sensor. Okay, which is not cheap, but in Porsche terms, you're like, okay, it's just, like we said before, you pay exo- you buy an exotic car, you pay exotic prices. That just goes with the territory. But I found out that por- that part is OEM made by Bosch, okay. which makes almost every electronic component in almost every German car out there. Yeah. Still. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if I bought it from Bosch, which didn't have the Porsche logo on it for the exact same part, it was 30. <laughs> 30 dollars. Yeah, but now you have a modified Porsche because <laughs> it doesn't have the right. serial number on it. Well, I'm out of warranty now, so yeah. needless to say, if you were in the market for mass airflow sensor, you can buy a $400 Porsche one or a $30 Bosch one. Good lord. And you I can mean, forego the Porsche little 
logo on the part number. That's it, huh? That's it. And probably the box. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right? that, I mean, I think that's something that more people have talked to me about that you, you have stumbled across in this show and the fact of people are going out and, and researching the parts. Like, you know, they're going to their, their, their people who they trust, and the people are saying, I need to get this. And they're looking at their part numbers, and people have come to me and said, like, you know how much money I've saved by buying my own parts at other places? And you know. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Just do a little research. Renlist is fantastic. I mean, everybody's got their own forum for their car. But if you have a popular sports car, do your, do your options. Even if, if, I, if you go back, like, uh, when I was looking at the brake rotors, um, so I found the, the one was, like, it was ninety six or $9,400 from Porsche List. I ended up getting it for, like, 6 or something like that. I could have bought a set for fifty seven hundred for aftermarket carbon ceramic rotors. Aftermarket, yeah, aftermarket. Do you uh, trust aftermarket carbon ceramics though? They're probably stronger than the OEM ones, if we're being honest. Um, okay. Let's see. Here's the thing with carbon ceramic rotors. We're going back a little a little ways. Typically, aftermarket means it is a supply supplier to another brand. So, like uh, these were coming from Racing Brake, but they're um, they got. That was just like bracing brake made the the billet aluminum center that attached it to the hub, and then the the rotor is still coming from somebody else. And there's only a few people that are making carbon carbon ceramic rotors. The guys who made the rotors for racing brake, the actual physical carbon ceramic rotor, were the same guys who are supplying carbon ceramic rotors to Koenigsegg and all the other like uh, SSC. Okay. Everybody who needs a, a carbon ceramic brake but doesn't have in-house manufacturing capabilities because you don't have your own F1 team. Or your own Le Mans team, because that's really who's always doing it. Poor people. Yeah, they're going to this one company out of Europe. Yeah. And so, and typically, like in old school fashion, remember when guys, there's actually there's a kit out there still. If you have a 996, you can get C6 ZR1 rotors OEM with different hats, and it saves you like 20 grand. Because it's amazing how many Corvette parts fit. Right. Well, they just change the hats out, and you're like, it's the same size, the same thickness. Like brakes aren't, for the most part, like um, they're not vehicle specific they, yeah. the, they change the hub but the rotor and everything is made the same way if you have multi-piece so like uh, when kevin flynn needed brakes on his uh, murcielago they use a brembo gt kit which is from everything from the standard viper rt10 to the ferrari f40 f50 murcielago diablo that's all the same thing so we foregoed plugging in his brake sensors to save him for like, i think that was like mercedes or lamborghini wanted like four thousand for the brakes we did the whole thing for like i want to say 500 bucks with pads wow and it's the same thing. The sensors just don't read right? They just don't plug in. Oh, but, I mean, oh because there's a clip. Okay, so it. if you're hypermiling your Murcielago like Roy Katz, you probably yeah. want your brake pad sensors. But Fair. The, Kevin was never going to track his Murcielago. So what was like, okay, we have brand new pads. I'm going to drive it 2,000 miles in the next 10 years. Uh, it makes <laughs> sense. No, I get it. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's vehicle specific. Specific, yeah. Yeah, so, be, yeah. so yeah, anyway, there's a lot of options if you get into cars like these. Even on the high end where, I mean, I have a newer Turbo S, but you can go aftermarket for just about everything, and you're not getting an inferior part. Hmm. So Interesting. I mean, you know, you, you I think sometimes there's that, that stigma of, like, aftermarket parts are, are, are cheap because they're less and... You know. Yeah, and in some cases, they absolutely are. Like, if you're going for the Amazon special $100 for all four rotors and pads, I cringe a little bit because I'm like... Hey, that's what we bought for the BMW, was it? No. <laughs> and then no. we sold it. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, no, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, no, but the funny thing is, is like Centric, uh, whoever's like, who is Centric? Okay, if you've ever needed to do brakes on any car ever, you've no, you know who Centric is because they make actually the base rotors for just about everybody in the continental U.S. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there's not that much difference in thickness and if, if they're drilled or slotted and things of that nature. Yeah, and most drilled and, and slotted rotors are just for looks anyway. Yeah. But 
And they nice. do look better, though. Nice. <laughs> but um, should we talk about our Carter Subaru tip of the week? Sure. Do we uh, have one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks to my neighbor. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, sure. sure. So uh, we heard a noise today, and it was a loud squealing. It wasn't the bird. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> you no, just yeah. scared the bird. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I just realized there's screens on the window. We're good. Okay. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we heard a loud squealing, and we're like, what was that? And it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's a fan belt. It's a belt under the hood of the car, right? And so we went down this mini path that probably most people don't know is what causes a squeaking belt. And it's not always what you think. It's often a long shot, not not what you think, but it's a precursor to a problem. So in, I won't say most, but often it's simply you have an old worn out belt. They're dry, they're cracked, and that screeching you hear is the metal and the rubber. And just like a tire squealing on pavement, it's uh, the the pulley that's on it is, is it slipping. It's slipping. Okay. And so the belt is not turning at the same rate as the pulley. When the belt warms up, it expands because it's because it's rubber, and then it stops squealing. Uh, this is usually a precursor of a like I talked about a bad belt. Look under your hood, put a flashlight on it, see if it's cracking, see if some of the the V V groove belts, see if it's um if you're missing a few of them because they wear off and they tend to peel in strips. They're usually um, fiber, often Kevlar reinforced belts, so they don't snap on you because they're made for liability. Um, but it's also an early indicator, worst case, of a component going out. Um, a really common one is alternator pulleys. They tend to, uh, especially if you have an aftermarket alternator or a cheap one, the pulleys tend to go bad um, or the, the rods that go through, water pumps, power steering. Power steering is a big one. Power steering is an easy one usually because you can turn your car left to right and, and it'll tell, change exactly. the sound well, yeah. as yeah. the pressure changes in the in the pump and the pressure builds up in the pump. But um, it's a pretty usually a pretty easy thing for any automotive shop to diagnose. Um, but yeah, that's what's causing it is simple slipping. The pulley is moving at a different rate than the belt. The belt is squeaking. And Most often times, start with the belt. Uh, standard yeah. maintenance. Anybody who's doing regular maintenance probably won't have this problem. I hate to say it. Which regular maintenance often include often includes belts, hydro- belts but also hi- hydraulic fluid flushes, so your power steering coolant flushes, so your power st- so your coolant pump doesn't go out, things like that. This is an early indicator of something of an, a bigger problem, though. I bought a Lamborghini this weekend. <laughs> yeah, oh, did you? <laughs> Tell I me mean, more. It's 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 a it's a it's a large Lego Lamborghini, but I bought it's a, a Lamborghini Cyan FKP thirty seven, which. Yeah, it was. It's, um, if you're, um, I know Kevin Beach bought one already too. And so did Jason <laughs> Tang. So um, if you're a car guy and have um, a few hundred bucks and, and want a fun project, it's really cool. Uh, Eight-speed transmission, uh, push-button Lamborghini doors. Ooh. Um, yeah, V uh, V12 engine in the back. So I'm just saying. Do the pistons moving the motor? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. with, with the and the and the you, you can see that you can see the gearbox and everything. So I'm just throwing that out there for our car gear loving children. That are large children. <laughs> That's most of us, man. Yeah, pretty much. It's kind of fun, though. So it's a fun, fun little build. So you know me and my, uh, my, uh, my Legos. So yeah. All right. Well, we should post pictures of that. Please yeah. send me photos. Oh, oh of yeah, I'll belt. show. Yes, no problem. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll show you what I do at home when I with my Legos. <laughs> I'll edit that out. <laughs> uh, on that note, we're gonna okay. take our first break. <laughs> Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. And we're back. Nick wasn't prepared, I, I though. I don't feel... Yeah, I wasn't prepared. Somebody should have counted. 
not. <laughs> I tried to count, but it just doesn't work. I was tricked. I, I wanted to start with a just a thank you to our audience. We had actually had more email than we usually do this week and more messages and uh, people saying thanks for last week's episode, which was... Uh, we love when the audience reaches out, by the yeah, way. Yeah, more of that, please. Oh, please um, yeah, yeah we're, one we're, of, we're so lonely. Uh, one of them was that, uh, I mean, if you know us in person at all, you know that we actually have a very diverse friends group. Uh, and so we it's kind of a big part of the show is that we've always been a car show about people. Um, and so diversity and just inclusion in our show and in the car community is a big part of the car community. It's what makes it great appear is we actually have a very diverse car community for the area we're in. And I think that is not something that's often apparent to people. But, well, when you have two 40-year-old white dudes on a radio show, you're kind of like, it's... Wait a minute. You're white? Oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, we have a very, very diverse group of friends. I have a multiracial family. It's uh, Thank you for not only outing our age, but our ethnicity. <laughs> I really appreciate that, you know? So, yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, luckily, uh, Nick and I are thankful that uh, we were raised with parents who raised us to have our eyes open. Um so thank you for our listeners, though. I for beat mine open. <laughs> <laughs> I deserved it. But, I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, thank you to our listeners. And uh, if you have a story to tell, um, especially if it's um, uh, anything that's diverse and we can include you, we want to. That's yeah. a big part of the show. It's one of the whole reasons we started this. So uh, please reach out to us more. Thank you for those of you that have. If you know some people who have stories to tell. Um, the racing world uh, in general, especially as you go back, uh, there's quite a few really good documentaries actually and good movies about it but um if there's a really good history of especially women drivers up here racing drivers there's a diverse history of drivers from all over the world here so some of our better drivers are actually from all over the world some so. of our best episodes of the ladies like <laughs> jillian and, and then you you've got the when we oh God, i remember when we had amanda and uh what do we, we had all three of them on we had ashley amanda and um Chrissy. Chrissy. My yeah. My, so. We're just talking about LeMay, too. Yeah. I know. I should have I've gotten that, but that's, that's I really like those. Yeah. yeah. And one of our most popular episodes, of course, is with Garov, which is one of our funniest episodes by a long shot, Yeah. Too. Yeah. So, congratulations on the new wheels, Garov. Those look really nice, by the way. Oh, God. What did he buy? He got forged wheels for the Corvette. Are they, did he put yellow stuff all over them? Just a little bit, yeah. It, it looks nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. In his, in his way, yeah. But he got, uh, what are they, Titan 7s, <laughs> I think? He tried to Americanize that car so much. I love <laughs> yeah. it. Oh. But, uh, well, so we were talking about how the wheels, our wheels episode, how they bend a lot. And yeah. Corvette has a class action lawsuit now, officially, Chevrolet does against them for the bending wheels on the Grand Sport and the Z06. Well, oh, people are suing Chevrolet. Yeah, oh, rightfully okay. so, too, because those oh. wheels will bend with totally normal driving conditions. They're yeah. really poorly made um like like not hitting a pothole just like bending yeah they come out of round a lot oh great yeah not like not like dangerously so you want in a wheel that's not round right exactly but it causes constant repair constant vibration and well i mean they put a 335 25 on a run flat wheel or run run flat tire so if anybody doesn't know run flat tires have exceptionally stiff sidewalls okay really stiff like four or five times as stiff as a normal tire what happens is that energy goes into that tire and then it bends the wheel Anyway, because it doesn't know where to go. It can't bend with the tire. The tire doesn't flex enough. And so in return, the the wheel itself will bend. Well, to, to fix that, instead of waiting for Chevrolet to do the right thing, and which they should be called out for this. They're not doing the right thing here. Um, he got forged wheels on his car. Obviously, forged wheels are as strong as you can get. But he Did he have the stock wheels on there? I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. He, oh, he had them. Okay. They were black, and then he put the yellow yeah, stripe around they it. Look that's, good. Yeah, they mean, look good. Really, yeah, they okay. look really nice, but they don't yeah. hold up, okay. and uh, especially under normal driving conditions. So, track conditions yeah. are actually usually softer. You don't bend your wheels on the track as much unless you go off. But did the, he run that purchase by the new wife? I just, <laughs> I just I mean, making sure. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, they're, they're dual income, no kids. I'm I, sure oh, they're, they're dinks. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, right. they love them. Yeah. 
Yeah, but so he got new forged wheels on it, and it looks awesome. They I guess look I didn't really see it. good. Did he post the pictures of them? Uh, yeah, he posted them. He didn't post them on the card, I don't think. I oh, think he okay. did. He did. Yeah, I he just posted it. them when he got them on there. But uh, he had them customized, of course. Uh, Woo Wraps did the yellow trim, and then yeah. Park Place, he worked with them to so, do some ceramic. They clean that car for him all the time. It's always sitting out in front yeah, of him. Yeah, he parties. got the, the like 30 washes package. No, yeah, I get yeah. it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so, I wash the stuff there, too. So, yeah. I know. I think I see it on more Park Place's page. More than yeah, I, I know. Exactly. That's why I was saying I didn't it's see really it there. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. so he's and then he's working to get more work done. But anyway, uh, to get back to our topic, thank you, listeners. Thank you for everyone for being supportive of us for making our stance that Black Lives do matter because we do stand behind that. Okay, so I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said it so much more eloquent, eloquent, eloquent. <laughs> no, I did. I had no. I had no idea about that lawsuit. So that's interesting. Yeah. So it it's I, the automotive world has been eerily quiet as of recently. Yep. Like we've got a guest coming on next week that'll be kind of interesting for some local car news, you know, up and coming. But um, there's not been a lot of news. Like the last big thing we talked about, and that's really it. It's been a week ago with with SSC, like finally starting to build yep. cars. Um, you know, I, I know that there's been a dip in 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 sales big time. Um, you know, I'm noticing a lot of these dealerships, especially the the very high end dealerships, are going to strictly appointment only now. Yeah. Um, you know, the car browsing is. You know, I think. Well, I think we've talked about this before. Car browsing so much has been done at home. You know, people are buying cars from their computer no matter what, which I don't quite understand because I think I need to drive a car before I buy it. But, um, you know, these weird people that you know buy a car across the country and then go pick it up and drive it back, and it's just it's you know it's a lot of miles on a car. So, you know, <laughs> which I plan to do with the next one too. As long as you get a warranty, it depends on where it is. Oh my God! Have you already started researching where the next one's coming from? Not yet. Not yet. Oh, okay. I, I, I was, no was like, "Is that started already?" I've been researching where market trends are lowest, yeah. and they haven't bottomed out like you thought. Like I thought they would on some of these cars. Now, here's, we talked about this on a couple episodes where some cars have a bottom and some cars don't. Yeah. Um, and we say like um, uh, a Cayman, for example, has no bottom. That car will depreciate until it's basically giveaway in parts. It's they're often will be worth more in parts than they will be for sale. The Cayman or Boxsters. Cayman or Boxster, okay. either way. They eventually bottom out to zero. Um, the 911s, on the other hand, don't. Um, you can put 200,000 miles on a 911, but if you take care of it, that car will still be worth quite a bit of money. Um, Why are the Caymans then doing that? I think it's just the mass production numbers of the Cayman are much higher, hmm. and they just don't have as much long-term market value. So kind of odd. I mean, Cayman's a fantastic car, but it's... Uh, I s- we're seeing it with the Ghiblis, too. Yeah, you'll see it. Most cars have a bo- don't yeah. have a bottom. I yeah. mean, like... You know, Zs are great cars, but they yeah. bottom to nothing too. Corvettes do too. Actually, that's a good point. Did you see the new teasers from the four hundred? Yeah. yeah, I mean, we'll be again if it looks like the shadows. We'll see, but yeah, who knows? Exactly. Um, I did want to talk about one thing though, which is a good little topic for us to discuss. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that I jump to in cars, and one of the things I avoid when I'm buying a sports car, is a sports car that's based on something else. And what I mean by that is like uh, a sporty car, like an S four. Um, or an RS4 even, okay. are still based on an A4 chassis. Okay. They're tuned very well. The suspension's done. Like, they're revamped top to bottom. But it's still an A4 chassis that's put on steroids to be an RS model. You never can overcome the, the problems with weight, the chassis flex. I mean, they can they can yeah, do the a lot nowadays. Like, the chassis was originally built for a certain amount of horsepower than they... And it's built to be a Not as car. much in the RS4, though. Because the RS4, like, they ripped it out, put a whole cage in. They did, That was yeah. a different... They, I, but they, I know what you're they saying. They do to a lot of cars, but you yeah. still can never really get over it. And I think, I think of, like, um, Hellcats. Yeah. Built on a really old chassis, things like that. Uh, 
yeah, especially cars like that. You go back, but even um, like BMW M cars, things like that, where what they do, they go all the way to put like carbon fiber roof on them to increase chassis rigidity. Those cars, there's a lot you can do about it, but it's always a compromise to go from, to have a car that is based on a sport chassis or it's, it's based on a commuter chassis then turn it into a sports car. They're still great cars. Don't take this the wrong way, folks. I love M cars, especially the <laughs> Ghibli, uh, the Quadrifolio, mm-hmm. um, the Alphas, things like that. I mean, all cool cars and stuff. But going into, when I look for a sports car, I'm looking for a car that has never been based on a commuter car. The lowest 911 model is still a sports car at heart. The lowest Corvette is still a sports car. First and foremost, it is designed to be a sports car. And then, yes, you can daily it. But it's a lot harder to make a sports car into a daily driver than it is to make a daily driver into a sports car that does things pretty well. Fair. And so, like, um, like AMG cars on the track, like, yeah, if you look at a DTM class AMG car, they're gutted to nothing. It just has an AMG badge. And wide bodied, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And so, one of the things I've always, except that I go shopping for, is I want a sports car first that I can daily second. It has to come in both ways, and to get that magic right is a lot harder for companies to do. That's why Porsche does really well. But I think there's also the problem there in the fact that a lot of these sports cars, the high-end sports cars, as much as you're paying for the price, they, the parts aren't necessarily built to be dailied. Mm-hmm. Like you see this with the Lamborghinis, the Ferraris, yep. and stuff like that. And there are people that daily them, but it costs a lot because things wear out faster, which I, I don't get. You Everybody thinks I'm paying more. I should be getting, you know, the, the car should be tougher and more bulletproof, but yep. it and doesn't. That's sort of what we came back to with... Um, we were talking about beadlocks the other day. Mm-hmm. It's everything. It's not just like struts and things like that. It's uh, race car parts require race car maintenance. Yeah. And so when you get into cars, um, especially like the 911 or even the Corvette, is a great example of cars that are meant to be daily driven. Um, they, that's where you you're seeing your money is the longevity of those parts. Uh, now, if you look at GT cars, RSs, things like that, no, you're going to wear through those things. They have way shorter service intervals. I tell you the example, um, even things you don't think of, like, uh, standard spark plug maintenance on my car is 30000 On a standard 911, it's 40000 On a GT3, all their GT models is 30000 as well. Um, everything's sooner. Belts That's a are lot sooner. of miles on a, on a GT car, though. Yeah, but even a PDK fluid is, I think, what is it, seven years or 40000 And normally it's sixty. Like, uh, they take a lot more maintenance to use. Um, but that's for normal driving, too. If, if you're taking a GT car out and beating it on it in the weekends, I'm assuming that mile, that, that yeah. drops a little bit. Really? Yeah. So the funny thing is, is what's harder on a car is daily driving it. Stop mm. and go traffic, on and off the brakes. You're never really, you're not holding it at a temperature a long time where that car is really designed to operate. So optimal operating is like highway. Okay. Where you're just kind of holding. There's not actually a lot of load on the car. It's when you're doing... Stop, go, stop, go, stop, go. That's what's hurting on your, your clutches and your PDKs and your uh, sequential gearboxes. That's where it comes in. You don't have so much of that in a torque converter car, but it's a... Uh, when I was talking to... The way this came about in my mind is I was talking to a friend about what car to get next. And they were asking me all about, oh, I, you know, I want to do this, I want to do this. And the new, uh, new Avora came up. And uh, the, oh, the new Lotus Avora yeah, GT. Okay, yeah. And they're like, it's the pinnacle of a sports car. And mm-hmm. uh, and this is the article title is how it's still one of the, it's one of the last true sports cars. And if yeah. you've ever driven a Lotus of any era, <laughs> Lotuses are like track first, everything else second. When you mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the Elise and things like Them that. And, and Ariel, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, Ariel. Yeah. Um, and McLaren sort of came that way, KTM. and they're trying to figure it out, and it's really hard. <laughs> McLaren <laughs> from poor McLaren. Yeah, they're not doing so hot because of it. Um, yeah, but uh, that was one of the things I told them. I said, you know, you really should be looking at. As cool as that would be, it's like you want to daily this thing. It's like until you've got your garage, your lift, 
Yeah. Like, you know how that you're going to maintenance and service this thing yourself. It's like, it's much, much more practical to get a sports car, like an M, an M class car or an AMG or an RS or something like that. You're going to go nuts in a Lotus d- daily. Yeah. I mean, there's no sound deadening. There's well, even like, even a car like a Corvette where yeah. I told you it's super low, it's really rigid and, uh, they're, they're actually very comfortable. I didn't mind moving them around, but I mean, you've got that, uh, it's, you, you have to, you're avoiding curbs like the plague. You're scared to death. Thank God they have front cameras. Yeah. But yeah, when it comes to that, I, mean, I think about your um, Maserati. Yeah. Super easy car to daily, mm-hmm. every single day. And it sounds great. It's got plenty of power. But yeah, if you're looking, I would say if you're going to go look for a sports car and you're daily driving it, you need to start getting that mindset. I've seen, I've made that mistake. RX7, first and foremost, worst daily driver you could ever have. Probably the worst daily driver you could ever have. Now that I think about it, that might be the top of my list. When it's running, though, it's pretty good. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, like, fanta- it, like yes. it's a great fourth car. <laughs> it's a good way. Yeah. yeah. It's not even a second or a third. That's a fourth car. So. I mean, you know, I will say this as far as, you know, with the Maserati now has 50 some, 55,000 miles on it. And it, it's cost, compared to what I th- thought it would cost, like when, 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 when Mark and I and, and my mom sat down and we were talking about the car as, as a company car and, and trying to figure out what, you know, because we were a BMW family for a long time, mm-hmm. and the maintenance with BMWs, once you get out of the warranty, gets expensive. And the Ghibli's been pretty good. I was actually talking, I, was, I had the Maserati in last week for service at Authentic Motor Cars with Shannon and those guys, and we were talking about, you know, what should be done, and um, their their tech has worked in, with Ferrari and Maserati for years, and he said, he said you know, really the only thing that really goes bad in these eventually, and he says, we're, and we don't quite know with the Ghibli's because they're not reaching it yet, but with Maseratis in general, when they get to 100,000 miles, you have powertrain issues. And that's when people, you see people want to get in the extended warranties or they're getting aftermarket warranties like we were talking about last week. And he said, that's, that's the biggest thing. He says, you're not going to get, Suspension-wise, you're not going to get a bunch of squeaks and things like that. When something fails, it fails. You know it fails. It, it you know, it's not, a, it's not a gradual thing. It's a part <laughs> that was built for high performance. Yeah. And I think we've proven while driving the Ghibli that I thought it was a great daily driver car. It doesn't get in, driven daily. We put 5,000 miles on that car in a year. So, I mean, it's most trip mileage. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's trip mileage. Mo- and most of that was going to Monterey. But my point is. That car has surprised me so much of something that I didn't think of it as a sports car. I thought of it as a, a luxury sedan, and then watching, being able to throw it into the corners as we're driving down. Yeah, Monterey, way better than I expected. Way better. I mean, <laughs> yeah. way way better. So, I think that it, the, that was sort of the reverse of that, and the fact that I wasn't expecting a sports car, even though you know, with the name and, and the the base of the engine and the turbos and all that. So. It kind of surprised me at that side, but I see what you're saying in the fact that it's much easier to just buy the sports car, and then and then make it your daily driver. Well, see, I, it's not really what I meant with that. I think it's uh, it's almost always a bad idea to buy a sports car as a daily unless you know what you're getting into. Don't you do that always? Oh, I, I mean, I work from home, so <laughs> it's like you know yeah. the amount of mileage I put on the Porsche is slim to none compared to most people. And even then, it's like if you're commuting in a sports car, you go look at the... Uh, yeah, but when you put miles on a car... Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's perfect for trips. I, yeah. I love it for that. But, I mean, that's really what I bought it for is how far... Could, what's the perfect road trip car for me? It has to be the as, mo- as much sports car as I can possibly get True. and still be able to be comfortable in traffic. And the Corvette actually did that pretty well, too. I mean, I, I there's... Some, it's, I know we talk about Porsche a lot, but it's somewhat of a pinnacle of a car because when you think about all the, the common luxuries, the fact that it's a comfortable car, it's got good space. It has great luggage space. Like you can take things. Like you look at some of the Ferraris and Lamborghinis, you can't, you have to have a, you have to have a crew car or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I pushed back for years, but you kind of eventually just buy into the hype because it makes sense. Yeah. You, really, you really can. Yeah. Although I'm 
very much considering a new R8 next, newer R8. Hmm. But I don't That's fit in different. the convertibles. They don't. Okay. I, they're really comfortable because of my height. Actually, you would. Remember? No, I drove Jason's. It's it's still not quite right. I fit in it like the I Huracan's un like. Not the Huracan. I'm talking about the R8. Oh, I know. Yeah. I'm saying the the Huracan is like I don't fit in at all. Like not even a little bit. But the R8. Jason yeah. fits in his cars, and he's your height. Yeah, but I'm still have the same problem I did even in the Corvette, yeah. where like the sight line for me is yeah. still like just kind of looking halfway at the roll bar across the windshield. Hmm. So it's a little different in the seating. The seats go back lower in the in the the hardtop. Yeah. So that would that would still fit. But Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I think we all know you want a convertible in your next car. That's one. <sighs> I do a Targa. Well, you talked about it last week. Yeah, you, I'm still uh, doing the Targa. You want something with the roof off. You enjoy. You drove around with that Corvette with the roof off a ton. More than I had it on, probably. Yeah, yeah. So especially when on the road trips. I just, think having the option and the fact that you you would you'd like that. So yeah. yeah, I'm still looking. Either way, though, I was gonna say though, just in general, as I've talked to people, buying a sports car first is typically the wrong way to go if it's the only option you have. As in, like, you don't have two cars because a you can't afford it, or b you don't have the space for it. Sure. Most people I find usually flip or regret the sports car within a year because there's a lot to be said for having a car you can, like, I don't know, put stuff in, which even though the Corvette has a ton of luggage room and so does the Porsche, for what they are, yeah, they still can't hold anything of normal size. No, no, no. Yeah, like You can't go pick up a toaster oven. It's not going to fit. It's because it's only going to go in the front seat. <laughs> I mean, that's it. So you just go alone is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I, it's like even then, though, you've got wor- you're worried about pushing the sharp edges of that box into your dash because you don't have an actual trunk. There's okay. things like that. Fine. You can borrow the Subaru to get your toaster oven. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. No, use it no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yes. yes. You've <laughs> Sorry. No, yeah. I'm just saying, though, it's like uh, if you're doing the, the daily driver routine, um, the Golf R, the which is a fantastic choice, super practical. The Audi RS3, still one of the, like, overpriced from the factory, but still a fantastic car for room and a ton of fun to drive. Even the standard S3 is fantastic. Um, uh, any M car, even though... I would not vouch for their reliability. They still drive really well. It's, I was watching a video actually today on, uh, you know, it's me 150. I follow. Oh, yeah. He just picked up one of the new M8 competition. <sighs> I mean, and it's gorgeous, but I'm looking at it, and I was looking at the interiors he was kind of doing. I'm thinking, like, there's 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 a back seat, but you can't put anything in it. Yeah. It's a huge grand touring two-door car. And but it's like it's like you said like I looked at it and I went I don't know he I didn't see the trunk but I mean there's a lot of space where the trunk is but I don't know how much you could actually like yeah I think that's designed to compete with those like I think that's a direct competitor to Aston Martin probably but without the style <laughs> I don't know I'm I you know I'm I a like fan the of BMW M8. but it, it's starting to, like the kidneys are getting bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's like it's okay so I mean I I think in my mind car wise like for BMW epitome has always been the E46 M3. Manual, yeah, not the paddles. E forty six manual is yeah. a great car. Yeah, that that whole paddle was a. I love the looks of that car because they yeah. had the, they had the hips, they had mm-hmm. all the, the right fender flares. I think that in the RS four, the the old RS four, the the last good RS four we got, that that was like one of the most beautiful cars Audi's ever made. If BMW had made the E forty six M three in a wagon, which there are a couple people that have, yeah, done I've it, seen the like, yeah. that would have been like the absolute <laughs> so pinnacle. Cool. I think you know so. Yeah, I still you know what I still haven't seen here. Hmm. The new uh, RS6 Avant. I don't think... Th- are they delivering them yet? I don't know. I well, don't know if they're delayed or what. I think a lot of people got pissed off at Audi. A lot of people dropped yeah. when they decided to do their second sticker and they went up to 150 grand. It yeah. was like, eh, it was cool, but not 150 grand cool. Well, I mean, I don't... I don't Because I feel like knowing the people we know, somebody would have taken a photo of that for us. Yeah. Had it come in yet, so... I know... I, I, st- I still know people who have them on order. 
Like yeah. I know personally people that are going to have them at Drivers Club, which yeah. is cool. I can't wait to see them, but I don't know if I would pay for them. I don't know. But it's just not my, that's just not my tax bracket. <laughs> yeah. <so> that's <laughs> to be clear. That's a better way to put it. it. That's not, not in my ta- tax bracket. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's like not. Wanting it and needing it are two very separate things. I don't, you can't. And it's. I really want to drive it because yeah. I'm really skeptical of cars that weigh that much. I know they can do it because the E63 wagon is a tank, but it actually drives awesome. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it, again, going back to BMW, like. BMW, you know, with the American market, I cannot believe they didn't make that M5 in a wagon over here. I know. Like, that's just... Well, with the SUV market, like I was... Mm. This is how this kind of came about, is after driving that Macan, it made me think about it, because the Macan Turbo was one of the only... It probably is, to this day, the only SUV, if you can call it that, and it is, it's an SUV, by American standards, uh, the only SUV I've ever driven that felt good enough to actually replace most sports sedans, and that's... That's a huge thing for me to say because I'm skeptical of SUVs in general. Yeah, uh, they have their function, but it's not something I would replace a sports sedan with. But it can do it. Uh, the Macan has—it's fast. It corners well. It's strange that it works that way, but I think it does. I'd rather, I think I'd rather have the Panamera shooting brake. Oh yeah, I would too. More room. I mean that—that that kind of. I, I, I'm all about the wagons. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I love am the too. Wagons. I am too. Like when we, we, a lot know, of we saw, hate we saw them, Dante's like them. that red. Is it Dante's? Yeah, no, yeah. Dante. Is it Dante? got the red one. Wasn't I he? think it was Dante. I don't know who. I, oh God, I feel bad now. Um, but that was just incredible. So, and I think that 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 answers the performance car. If you get the right, the biggest engine, you got you've got space. Everybody talks about golf club space. Who gives golf club space? It's like, so I can get a cooler, you know, and <laughs> all my bags in there. I'm good. So, anyway, for our audience who's uh, listening to this, yeah. I would love to hear your feedback on what your sporty daily driver is, why you love it, what you've done to it. Uh, Cameron, I know you're listening. He's got that <laughs> Golf R that I would love to hear more about. Things like that. Like, I want to know what you guys are driving, why you chose it, and we are going to bring up your mail, so you can we can tell us if you not say your name or not. That's fine. Yeah. We we won't we didn't do that. Um, but we use your initials. <laughs> yeah so let us know what you're driving why you chose it and what you've done to it because i want to know what mods are you guys saying that like hey this thing was was great but then i did this and it was perfect like i want to know that because i mean like I said, a stage two tune on anything german <laughs> pretty much changes it entirely yeah, you're gonna yeah you're gonna be way above and kicking ass yeah so, so. i mean because like even like tunes like bbi is doing you know they can pull standard 911s because all 911s are turbo now you can put those into turbo ter- turbo 911 Turbo Territory out of a 911 with, with a tune. <laughs> Time, right. Turbo Territory? Thanks, Porsche. You made this even harder. The turbo Terrier. But the, <laughs> yeah. If you pick up a Terrier while you're Turbo Terrier, ter- yeah. If you bought a base 911 that is not designated a Turbo model, but you tuned it, you could have as much power as a 911 Turbo in the name. Good job. <laughs> I, I think want, it's in there. I want to bring this up. Uh, uh, a friend of the show and a good buddy of ours, Todd Sanders, wrote me through Facebook and said oh, yeah. um, that they are now doing, and it's it's in Generation 2, which means there was a Generation 1. They're doing a wireless adapter for CarPlay. You can, you can adapt oh, cars Oh, yeah. So, um, and he's going to look into it. He's going to look into them because I, I definitely want to do that because that's always been the biggest problem with CarPlay, as we talked about, is having that cord always having to be plugged into your phone. And if you have to pick up your phone, you know, it's... A, it's it's nice to have, but I'll, I'm interested to see how these this comes out. I think uh, this is by Car Car Link It, 
It's all one word, so we'll have to see. I'm not surprised because there was a lot of people who made um, – so when, when Bluetooth audio first became a thing mm-hmm. and you had uh, a car with uh, – you used to have data access ports for iPods in cars. Remember those? Yeah. yeah, so they had an adapter that would plug into that, yeah. and then you would select, quote, unquote, iPod, but it would really just be a Bluetooth box, and you could just stream to it like a, like you would. It would think uh, it's an iPod, but it would play audio from your phone as Bluetooth. Yeah. So that was a way around it, and I've been waiting for them to do this with uh, CarPlay. I think I mean it's it was bound to happen. I didn't know it had happened. Like we, when I was bitching about it, I hadn't really researched enough. So it's good to know. Yep. Yeah. Should we talk about what's coming from from Avance? Sure. Uh, so you guys are missing out this week. Uh, this <laughs> is there's going to be a really good one this week on the tenth. Uh, like I said, this is airing after that event. Mm-hmm. But I want to know what you guys are missing because this is a good one. It's Avance virtual tech session with radar radar detectors and dash cameras, and that's Ariel Bravi from Vortex Radar. Who, if you've ever seen his YouTube channel. One of the best ones on YouTube. If you have any questions about radar, is he de- local? yeah, he's local. Oh, okay. So yeah, uh, vortexradar.com. But check out Vortex Radar on YouTube if you have any questions about radar detectors. He's extremely thorough. He's that guy knows his stuff better than anybody. He's literally the authority on radar detectors Good and quickly know. becoming the authority on dash cams because he does legit research. So well, you need him more and more. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah, they've been helpful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, postponed. Uh, so the 14th, this is postponed, but this is what's going to be coming. I'm sure they'll, as soon as they're able to, they'll do this. this is the Avance driving experience at Emerald Downs. Um, it's basically like sort of like an autocross event, but not, it's just, you can drive, uh, other people's cars often. Yeah. So Avance started as Avance drive everything and you get to swap cars and stuff like that. And before it became the huge club, I still have one of the drive everything shirts, actually <laughs> swap drive repeat. Oh, I didn't. I never got one of those. It was the very one of the very first ones he got. Oh, okay. And so right. I, I still have it. And uh, so they typically these events you can meet your other enthusiasts, ride along in other cars. It's a great way to check out other cars if you're interested in buying, because you get to talk to owners versus salespeople. <laughs> and <laughs> why I really like my car. And yeah, why I here's yeah. what I hear. Hey, yeah, yeah, people are good like that. And yeah. then virtual tech session again, Stu's garage, all about oil changes, and you can do an oil change yourself on anything. Um, there's very few cars that require special tools to do oil change outside of an Audi R8 of all things. There's, um, there, there's some special wrenches you need, but most of the time you can get it off with the those yeah. oil oil filter wraps or whatever. Even cars with uh, digital gauge fills and stuff like that. Like the, Stu goes through all that. He can teach you all to do that. Uh, but track days are coming back. Apparently, some some of these people with these new Corvettes have found a hack with it in the fact that when you're getting the cars in the factory, you're getting so much oil in the engine that when they're trying to drift them, the oil is there's so much of the oil in the engine it's been shutting the car down. It's warning, and they've now figured out if you bring the oil down like a quart, and the engine's still fine, but then they can actually get them to. That's a thing now. That's a serious design flaw. Well, I'm I, well especially it, for a car with a dry sump. But my point is, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm wondering if it was purposeful on on GM's part in the fact that they did it so that people wouldn't be doing burnouts and doing stupid shit. Interesting. So, in a dry sump, you have a pump that pushes motor pushes oil through the motor. In yeah. older cars, um, any performance car with an actual pan, you had what was called a baffled oil pan design, and you had baffles, which were just like plates in the oil pan that would hold oil from starving the crank as you were high high G cornering. So it's really strange that a dry sump car, which has a pressurized oil system so that it never can run dry can have an overfill warning due to high G cornering. It's, it's not an overfill warning. It was basically, some, there was something, I'm going to do more research on it, but I've now seen it on three different YouTube channels that have talked about it. Amelia Hartford being one of them, who I follow, and, and she's a big drifter. And they, the cars, when people were doing it, it was shutting down, it was turning on the, 
the anti-lock. It didn't. It didn't want to do it, and that's one of the huh. ones they came up with. So I wonder if it's in high G pulling oil away from the pump, but that's I don't weird. Know. So they but they but they they took oil out of the car to make it not be an issue. Yeah, that's what's messed up. So we'll see. Huh. Really interesting. Well, unless there's vo- just voiding warranties left and right by doing that. So who knows? Right. Yeah, yeah. We, should, we, well, we will follow up on that. Yeah. But uh, beyond that, track days are coming back. We've got a track day at Portland International Raceway on June 25th. Uh, another tech session and private collection tour looking at that car. I know which one it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's June 27th. And then, But the driving experiences are on hold for now, I'm sure, as soon as uh, Adam can. He'll let us know. But sure. Oh. <laughs> Another one coming up with Stu's Garage DIY training series exhaust modifications. That's a touchy subject. You got to do them yourself. Um, so keep that in mind, folks. We're gonna I'm gonna put a huge clause yeah. out there. A past guest of ours, and I'm not sure when it's happening. Mark Green from Cars. Yeah, I saw he's gonna be inter- interviewing uh, John Shirley. Oh, so that don't miss that if you can find it. Go to his page and figure it out. Like I said, but I, I know I will definitely be listening to that. So yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, I think that wraps up uh, this week's uh, episode of Rain City Supercars. As always, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.